This is Eye of the Storm, Episode 5. This is Frankie De Jesus, and this is a Wildstorm Comics fan podcast. Fair warning, this is a spoiler podcast. Alright, cats, let's get wild. First up, some show updates. Eye of the Storm now has a forum set up with the CGS forums. That's thecomicforums.com. So if you want to talk about the show or Wildstorm comics, you now have a place for it. If you have any opinions, comments, or reviews, or anything you may want to express, go to the forum, and I'll probably read them on future episodes. Thanks to Peter Reels of Comic Geek Speak and DC Noise for helping me with that. I'll still be updating the Ning portal I set up for those of you that have signed up, and those that sign up in the future. That's thewednesdaysociety.ning.com. And that's for more than just a show. It's for all subjects and comics in general. Two... We now have an audio comment line. That's 1914-595-6629. So again, if you have any comments, opinions, or reviews you want to share, call. And I'll share them on future episodes for sure. I would love to hear from you guys. So again, it's 1914-595-6629. So be dialing. Three... I will be at the New York Comic Con from April 18th to the 20th. This will be my first time. I'm very excited and hope to meet some of my favorite creators there. Such such as Gail Simone, Grant Morrison, Walter Simonson, Stan Lee, Neil Adams, just to name a few. And I hope to meet some fellow podcasters out there and listeners as well. Special thanks to David Price of Marvel Noise. I'd like to give a shout out to RagingBullets.com. Sean Whaley and Jim Seglin put out a fantastic DC Comics oriented podcast, which y'all probably already know. Sean and Jim have recently put out their 64th episode, in which they do a segment, The Raging Oscars, a best of 2007 for DC Comics. Episode 64 focuses on their best of Wildstorm for 2007. The entire episode is 4 hours, but trust me, you don't notice. It goes by like that. I'd like to give another shout out to Forum Poster Simulated Radio for the kind words and support that he expressed to me. Thanks a lot, buddy. The show rundown. First up, we have a forecast, which isn't much of one, because not much news has been released from Wildstorm. After that, we have a Wild Shots, where I review the new Dynamics issue 1. Then we have Into the Wild, where I do an overview of Welcome to Tranquility Armageddon and Wetworks Armageddon. Now to the show. Not much by way of news has been released by Wildstorm, other than former executive editor of Wildstorm, Scott Dunbeer, has been named IDW's Special Projects Editor, 
which is more IDW news than it is Wildstorm. So moving on. Newsarama has been releasing Number of the Beast character sketches by Chris Sprouse, along with commentary by writer of Number of the Beast, Scott Beatty, as, as well as Sprouse, which I have been posting on the site and on the forum. And that's it. That's what's in your forecast. Forecast. That's what's in your forecast. Lyrical glass. That's approaching critical mass. Forecast. That's what's in your forecast. This is Wild Shots. This is where I give quick reviews and comments on Wildstorm comic books, past or present. Today's Wild Shot is The New Dynamics. The writer is Alan Warner. Artist is J.J. Kirby. Colors are by Chris Walker. Lettering is by Steve Wands. And editor is Christy Quinn. This is the first issue of a five-issue miniseries. I have to say this was the gem of the month for my Wildstorm books that were released in March. If you are a longtime reader of Wildstorm, then there is a load of Easter eggs in this issue. I'm not going to spoil anything, but there is a billboard shown in four panels filled with character art from Wildstorm's past and present. Some I didn't even remember till I saw their picture, like Omni or Brass. It's funny because there's even a character I didn't remember called Allegra on the board, and that's my wife's name. I'm not going to go into the story because I don't want to spoil it, but it's loaded with mystery, humor, and action. The dialogue and captions are a little confusing and hard to follow, but you can tell that it's done on purpose, and by the series end, it'll all make sense. The art is by J.J. Kirby, and it is beautiful. It's a manga style, or a, a urban manga style, I should say. The standout feature for this book, to me, has to be the colors. It's done by Chris Walker, and he truly catches the mood in every scene. Never thought I'd say I like pink until I saw Love Rocket. If you're a long-time Wildstorm reader, you will love this book. If you are new to Wildstorm, you will love this book. If you are a past reader of Wildstorm and you stopped and are now just coming back to Wildstorm, then this book was made for you. Go out and buy this book. It's on stands now. This is Into the Wild. This is where I give an overview of Wildstorm comics past or present to keep you up to date on current events and current storylines that are going on in the Wildstorm universe. Right now we are going over the Wildstorm Armageddon storyline. Wildstorm Armageddon is about six heroes taken to a post-apocalyptic future so they can avert the coming Armageddon. Last time we went over Midnighter Armageddon. Today we are going to go over Welcome to Tranquility Armageddon. Writer is Christos Gage, penciler is Neil Gouge and Horatio Dominguez, inked by Neil Gouge and Dan Davis and Dominguez, colored by Kerry 
Strachan, Letters by Travis Lanham, Assistant edited by Christy Quinn, and edited by Ben Abernathy, covered by Mike McCone and Randy Mayer. It opens up with Maximum Man, who just got back the memory of the word that gave him powers. I want to, I want to describe Maximum Man really quick. He's like DC's Captain Marvel, or Shazam, but in reverse. The same color scheme, but instead of a young boy who uses a magic word to become an older looking powerful superhero, he is a very old man who uses a magic word to become a younger looking powerful superhero. The age of the superhero is where the two meet in between. Anywho. Maximum Man just got his word back. Not only that, but it also seems he got his libido back, for he is having his way with the wives of Tranquility. As he is sneaking away from one of his little trysts, he is caught by town sheriff Thomasina Lindo, who, as the den mother to all the retired superheroes of Tranquility, gives him warning that if he doesn't stop taking advantage of these women, their husbands may find a way to hurt him when he is not powered up. Before she could leave, Void of the Wildcats appears, which Maximum Man quickly tries to pick up. At least he asks if she was married this time. Void needs Maximum Man to go to the future to learn how to avert a coming disaster, which he has done before. Back in the 50s, he went to the future year of 1989, which is now our past. Once Void takes him to the future, he is confused because there is nothing wrong with the town of Tranquility. No disaster, no Armageddon. Until he flies higher to get a bigger picture of the place. And in a two-page spread, you see that everything around the town is destroyed. Void disappears. And Maximum Man, who from this point on I'm going to refer to as Maxi Man, he is immediately attacked by superpowered beings. SPBs. After taking them down with the help of other residents of Tranquility, we learn that the future Maxi Man is in the hospital from wearing himself down from defending the town. From Sheriff Lindo, we learn that the Armageddon was not caused by nuclear or environmental disasters, but from a different kind of weapon of mass destruction superhumans. Suddenly, there were thousands fighting all over the world. The townspeople protected Tranquility by fighting and putting a magic shield around the town. That didn't hold up. But Salabal, the town's resident witch doctor, was working on a new spell to take them to an alternate universe. No one would remember that they even existed. A number of the Beast Clue from Sheriff Linda, we learned that during the Armageddon, some old allies showed up after having vanished decades ago, which I believe may tie into Number of the Beast. Sheriff Lindo decides to use Maxi Man and have him help with taking down enemy SPBs, distracting him from his mission. Maxi Man then meets Acolyte, who thinks her powers were given by God. She knows that he is from the past and asks him not to prevent the disaster. We learn from her that a lot of people are taken to heaven in the rapture, which is a religious term. Salabah finishes her spell. Void immediately appears to take Maxi Man back. 
He fights almost childlike to go because he has questions too late to ask. Void grabs his cape and as they teleport away, Salibal casts her spell. Next, he is back with Lindo in the present. When asked about what happened, he doesn't remember. Possibly a side effect of the, of the spell, or maybe just his naturally losing his memory. Wow. Next, we have Wetworks Armageddon. Writer is Christos Gage. Artist is Brennan Bado, B-A-D-E-A-U-X. Colorist, Johnny Wrench. Letterer, Travis Lanham. Assistant Editor, Christy Quinn. Editor, Ben Abernathy. Covered by Mike McCone and Randy Mayer. We open up with the Wetworks team fighting a cell of vampires. We're introduced to the team members. Abdef, a zombie-like creature. Ash, a werewolf from another dimension. Red, a vampire fighting against her own kind. Mother One, a cyborg, and of course, Colonel Dane. After defeating the vampires, they discover that the vampires from different factions have been joining forces due to the influence from the demons from Ash's dimension. Before Dane can muster a plan, Void appears, though this time she seems more distraught. She can hardly think. She has need of Dane, but he dismisses her, but he has no choice as Void teleports the both of them to the future. In hysterics, Void gives Dane his mission to bear witness and learn to save the world. Next we see a beautiful yet depressing two-page spread of a destroyed Budapest. Immediately, Dane is attacked by demons. The soldier he is, he goes quickly into battle mode. The colonel is helped out by this future's wetworks team, minus his future self because he's on his way to the Vatican. Abdef recognizes that this Dane is from their past. Colonel Dane figures out that Void sent him to the future so he can find a way to prevent it. Dane finds out that all the demons were putting aside their differences and teaming up, and when the sky went black they rampaged through the streets. He finds out that they no longer have access to other dimensions and other worlds. Abdef can't even enter the dead world. The majority of the world's human population is gone. There is mention of the rapture again. When faced with all of this, Dane quickly takes charge and helps to get the human survivors out, of which are being used as cattle, being forced to breathe so they don't go hungry. After freeing the humans, the wetworks are surrounded by a horde of demons in a frenzy. Both Grail and Dane shoot some sort of energy into the black sky, opening it so the sun can shine through and destroy most of the demons. The rest retreat. At this point, Dane falls to the ground, glowing. Void comes out of his head and takes him back to the present. Dane thinks he has to destroy the Night Tribes to avert the Armageddon. But we find out from Void that he is wrong. They didn't cause it. They just took advantage of it. We also find out that she's being kept as a prisoner and is sending out an astral form. For next episode, we will go over Gen 13 Armageddon and Stormwatch PhD Armageddon. Okay Stormwatchers, that's it for this one. This is Frankie De Jesus. 
if you want to leave a comment, if you want to contact me, you can contact me at frankiedejesus at gmail.com or eyeofthestormpc at gmail.com. You can leave a comment or review on our forum on thecomicforums.com or you could go to the wednesdaysociety.ning.com or you could leave a comment on our audio line at 1914-595-6629 and remember keep your eye on the storm <laughs>